Hello friends, this is Pastor Bill Clark. Welcome to the podcast. Hello friends are the first two words I begin each message that I get the privilege to share each Sunday. I get to tell my friends about the greatest friend, Jesus Christ. I also consider friends to be one of the greatest gifts a person can have in this earthly life. Most of the episodes will be messages I share each Sunday, but from time to time, I'll invite a friend to share some of their life with us over a beverage. I pray these episodes bless you and help you on this journey of life. God's blessings to you, friend. This is a message I shared at Timothy Lutheran Church on Sunday, December 17th. It's the third Sunday of Advent. It's the pink candle. Joy. Hello, friends. Joy. It's the third Sunday of Advent. I send my welcome. The candles up on the Advent wreath. They represent hope, peace, joy, love. Now, the ushers usually ask me, how many candles do we, do we light today, Pastor, and which ones are they? The third Sunday is always joy. It's a pink one. The pink candle is always joy the third Sunday. So today is the day we talk about joy. Joy. J-O-Y. When I say the word joy, what, what comes to mind? First thought I had was, I think of an athlete or a team that's just won a championship, right? The image of baseball players running together, throwing their hats and their gloves up in the air, jumping up and down in an embrace, and then they end up in this dog pile, right? In this big heap. Maybe you think of the uncontrollable belly laugh of a toddler that can't stop. Maybe you think of the squeal and delight of a girl on the receiving end of a marriage proposal. Do you think of the joy that was brought to this world in the manger just over 2,000 years ago? Joy that we can't fully comprehend or understand. We'll sing at the end of the service, joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. What about joy from forgiveness? You know, most Sundays during worship, we are probably not overcome with joy when we confess our sins to God. And then we hear the words of forgiveness. But I bet bet there's been a point in your life where you've had this sense of relief, this sense of joy, if you will, when you've asked for forgiveness in your life. I think almost all of us can remember a time as a child when you're caught doing something you weren't supposed to be doing. Like taking something, cheating on a test in school, sneaking out at night. All things that I never did as a child, right? And the worst punishment was what? You had to confess 
what you did. To be drug into that store to tell the store manager, I took it, right? You were, I was, we, you got to protect the innocent, right? I remember being so scared, right? And fearful, walking in that store. That's the one thing I had to do was tell the manager that I took a piece of bubble gum. But then I remember the relief, the joy, when you were forgiven for what you did, right? Hope you learned a lesson. Don't do it again, that's what I was told. But as we get older, we get better at hiding our guilt and our shame and our sins. And the better we get at hiding our guilt and our shame and our sins, the less we feel we need to repent the less we feel we need to repent of our guilt, shame, and sin. But then we hear the words of John the Baptist today. I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now we've all read the description of John the Baptist, and we all agree that John the Baptist was a bit odd. He was strange. In the words of our friend Gary from Mission Central, right, he was not not at all. In the, in the Chosen, some of the disciples referred to John the Baptist as Creepy John. And the guy that portrays him in it is, he's a little creepy, I'm going to tell you. Yet John the Baptist was chosen by God to proclaim, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. God also chose John the Baptist to baptize Jesus. The name John the Baptist at this time is starting to spread around Israel and people are beginning to follow him. Now we know that two of the apostles, Andrew and Nathaniel, also known as Bartholomew, originally were followers of John the Baptist before they were followers of Jesus. The people want to know who this strange man was and who was baptizing and speaking of repentance of sins. The Jews in Jerusalem wanted to know who this strange man, strange man was. And John was a strange man indeed. He wore clothing made of camel's hair. He had a leather belt around his waist. He ate wild locusts and honey. Besides, John preached of repentance. Make straight the way of the Lord. John was indeed a strange man. Levites and priests came from Jerusalem to meet this strange preacher. They were on a mission. They needed to find out who John the Baptist was. They had a straightforward question to ask him. Who are you, John? And John was plain and clear in his answer. I'm not the Christ. Well, they kept asking him. Next, they wanted to know, are you Elijah? John said, I am not. Are you a prophet? And his answers got even shorter. He simply said, no. John did not want to be king of the hill. He didn't want to be the center of attention. Because that's something we're all good at as humans, right? We want to be king of our hill. We, want, we love to be the center of attention. We like it when people notice us. When people gravitate towards us. I don't know if you know this, but there's people on the internet that are called influencers. And just by posting something, they get paid millions of dollars for it. They're a center of attention, and we make them that way. Our sinful nature pushes us to want to be on top. It doesn't matter the price. We want to be number one. 
Well, remember, Jesus' disciples had the same problem. One day Jesus caught them, arguing about who was the greatest among them. And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What are you discussing? What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. You see, in the world, Jesus said, you will find people doing that, but it's not going to be that way among the disciples. And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And that was John the Baptist. He knew exactly who he was and what he was supposed to do. I am not the Christ. He is the one who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. John didn't want to be what he was not. He was not an impersonator. He was not a pretender. John had a mission, and he knew his calling. You see, that was determined even before his birth. His mom and dad, the elderly priest Zachariah was his dad, and his mom was Elizabeth. See, they had given up on their dream of having a child. Elizabeth was barren, and they were too old to expect children. That's what they thought. But being a priest, Zechariah was working in the temple, and the angel Gabriel appeared to him, saying, Your wife will have a baby, and you will name him John. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Our gospel today tells us that John was a man sent from God, and John's mission was to be a witness. The word witness appears three times in our gospel reading this morning. He came not to speak about himself, but about someone else. John was happy being what he was, merely a witness. He was a voice calling in the desert, a voice calling people to repentance. Make straight the way for the Lord. And finally, when Jesus came, John was humble enough to say, he must become greater, I must become less. And a different translation said that he must increase, but I must decrease. John was not an impersonator. He didn't pretend to be what he was not. His finger wasn't pointing to himself, directing people to him, but instead, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We can imagine John saying, would you come to see me? Let me tell you who you need to see. Not me, but Jesus, the Lamb of God. It's all about him. He's the one who brings light into our broken lives, darkened by sin. He not only brings light, but he also brings life and salvation. He will suffer and die on the cross to forgive your sins. Behold Jesus, not me. Behold Jesus and not John. John the Baptist is an Advent man. He came as a witness. He came to prepare the way. But he didn't want to stay in the way of anybody. With his testimony, he directs people to Christ so that by believing in him, all may have eternal life and salvation. That's the good news. A joyful news. As I think about John the Baptist and his role of being a witness, directing people to Jesus, I wonder, 
Who was like John in your life? Who was like John in your life? Who directed you to Christ? Who pointed to Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Maybe it was your mom or dad. Maybe it was your grandmother. Maybe it was another family member as a teacher. Maybe it was a neighbor, a friend, a coworker. Someone that didn't want to be the center, but instead pointed to the center, directed you to Christ. If that person's still around, can I ask you a favor? Sit down and write them a note. Send them a thank you. It's very rare occasions anymore that you get a handwritten thank you anymore, isn't it? Just thank them for what they did. John the Baptist is an Advent man. Have you ever thought about becoming an Advent person too? What about you becoming John the Baptist to someone else? What I'm not asking is I'm not asking you to be an impersonator, someone you're not. You don't have to be like John the Baptist. Boy, you'd get a lot of attention if you dressed like John the Baptist and started going around doing that, wouldn't you? I'm not just asking you to be, I'm just asking you to be who you are. A baptized and redeemed child of God, directing others to Christ, a witness for Jesus. To be a voice in the world, out there in the world. To be a voice that speaks the word of truth. A voice that calls to repentance and trust in the one whom is coming. Just stick out your big index finger, right? And point directly to Christ. Direct people to Jesus. Tell someone, He's coming. He's coming again. Tell people around you that the one who is coming is not an impersonator. He is the real deal. He is the Son of God, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Christ is the light. A light that shines in the darkness. A light that offers life and salvation to all people. But you say, I, I can't do that. I, I'm Lutheran, right? Lutherans, we're known for being, what, the frozen chosen, right? We're more quiet, reserved. It's because of our ancestors, right? They all came from those cold places, right? Like Germany and Sweden and up north, right? Our, we said, our, my faith is personal to me. I can't do that. How am I supposed to point people to God? Besides all that, right? Besides all that, how am I supposed to point people to God when I have trouble pointing my own finger to God? We know, and we never doubt God, but there are times that we just don't point to and focus on God. We have to take care of our things in our lives, right? Take care of myself. Just get through this life. How am I going to Point people to God. Well, I te- attend a, a weekly Zoom meeting with four other pastors. It's a follow-up to a seminar that my wife and I attended back in November. And we had this list of questions, actually this list of character questions we had to look through and pick one we felt was a challenge for us. And I landed on this question. Do I pursue intimacy with Jesus? Tough question, isn't it? I sat at my desk, I'm like, what's well, my job? Right? Corporately, I think I do it. Right? I look in God's Word, I'm doing things for work, getting ready for church services, for Bible studies. But personally, I sat there and realized 
man, I do a terrible job with this. Then I said out loud, I do a terrible job dating Jesus, for a lack of a better term. But let me tell you why I said I do a terrible job of dating, dating Jesus. First, he's just pursuing him or learning about him. Because when you date someone, you put all your heart, your soul, your passion, your energy into pursuing that person. And it's not because you have to, because you want to, right? And once you marry them, the advice you're given is to what? Keep dating them. Why? The more you pursue someone, the more you open yourself up to someone, the more intimate your relationship becomes. That is what God wants from us. Yet what do we do? We come to church once a week. Maybe we pray a few times during the week. Maybe we even open Scripture or get a Bible verse on our phone. We have knowledge of God, but how intimate is that? Now, if you don't continue to date your spouse, you grow apart. And when you grow apart, you're just what some people call cohabitating. Just living together. Sharing the same space. Many of us have invited Jesus into our homes, but is he just cohabitating with How much joy do you think you will know in a relationship that you have the knowledge of or you cohabitate with another person? You may at times get glimpses of joy, but that joy is usually short, and it fades quickly. But what happens when you continually pursue an intimate relationship with another person? It gets deeper, more meaningful, you experience more joy. That's what God wants for us. In fact, God proved it. A week from today, we celebrate Christmas. Jesus, born as a baby to Mary and Joseph. You don't think there's a more intimate relationship than that of a mother and her newborn child? In that moment, the mother and the child are so, so vulnerable, and yet so connected by love for one another. The more that we pursue God, the more that we want to be with Him, the more time and energy we put into our relationship with God, the more intimate it will be. When we date Jesus, we will come to know deeper the joy that God wants all of us to have. And when we date Jesus, we do it because we want to, not because we have to. And when we date Jesus, right, when you were dating your spouse, everybody knew you were pursuing your spouse, didn't you? When people see it, they're going to ask you. They're going to ask you why you are pursuing such an intimate relationship with God. And that's when you can point to God at that moment. That's when you can point to the joy found only in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the joy that came into our world so that we may know the true joy of God. So date Jesus. Pursue his joy with all your heart, soul, passion, and energy. Not because you have to, but because you want to. You want to know your Savior intimately. 
in that intimate relationship, you will come to experience and know joy. Joy beyond any joy of this world. Amen. Thank you once again for listening to the podcast. If you have any questions about anything that we share in our messages, any questions on faith, any just general questions, get a hold of me. I'd love to have a conversation. Thank you again for listening. Have a great day. God bless.